Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. And as we look at what had happened in their time, that we can use that to understand what will be required in this time. Amen. In our day. I also want to say in regard to looking at the book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah is not just a, it's not a biography, it's not an autobiography, uh, it, it's not a carbon copy of just the prophecies uh, of, of, of this uh, great prophet, uh, much more, it's, it's, it's a whole lot more uh, than that. Uh, there's a lot of material here that we find And it seems like when we read the book of Jeremiah, it's very difficult. It seems like it's all just a conglomeration and in a haphazard way, it almost seems like. But it's really not. It's really not. But someone had once said that the book of Jeremiah is one of the most unreadable books in the Bible. Uh, Scholars uh, who've dealt with this book almost across the board call attention to the various difficulties uh, that, that, that it's difficult to read and to understand it. Raymond Calkins said this, I quote, In their present form, it is not too much to say that without a guide, the prophecies of Jeremiah are unintelligible. Even the earnest and thoughtful student soon gets lost and is unable to find his way. Now let me explain this just for a minute. Uh, a prominent preacher of generations uh, past He said this, you know, as a boy, I started to read the Bible through, according to the familiar reading schedule, three chapters a day, five chapters on Sunday. And how many of you ever tried to read the Bible all the way through? And followed that schedule, five chapters on Sunday, and we were assured that if we would keep up, that in a single year, we could completely read through the Bible. And so he said, I got safely through the book of Numbers and Leviticus, and even Proverbs didn't altogether quench my zeal. But he said, I got stuck in the middle of Jeremiah and never got out. (laughs) He says, well, I don't blame myself for how can a boy read Jeremiah in its present form and understand it? George Adam Smith called the book of Jeremiah a conglomeration of prophecies. Uh, A.S. Peak said, no clear principle seems to have determined its arrangement so that anyone who reads the book straight through finds himself in a state of constant bewilderment as he moves backwards and forwards along the prophet's career. Or still worse, he has no clue as to the situation or the period of the prophet's life that's reflected in the portion that he may be reading. It's important to understand uh, that, that the book of Jeremiah, number one, and here's the key really, it is not written chronologically. And, and you also have to refer to other books of the Bible to understand what is happening when he makes those prophecies. Those are the two keys to understanding uh, uh, the book of, of Jeremiah. For a reader who comes to the book for the first time, the first chapter could be understandable and and interesting enough and and the main theme of the second and the following chapters 
would be apparent, but soon all you read about after that is the monotonous reproach of the Israelites for their disloyalty, their disobedience, their lack of faith. The prophet Jeremiah brings forth a word and again and again. He's the weeping prophet. So as we look to uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, we go and, and we, we see this man as a prophet of tears. A prophet of tears. As he's bringing forth uh, 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 time and again instruction, sometimes rebuke. And so that's what you read. Now Ralph Smith says, If a reader were of a steadfast sort, he might get as far as the 13th chapter or even as far as the 18th chapter. And then in reading the 20th chapter, the reader, why, he might be excited in the hope that something good's going to happen. You know, we, we always like to do this when we read. We like to read, we start with the first chapter, and we read the story chronologically. And we don't want anyone to spoil the ending, right? Uh, and so... We're looking for something good to happen. In the book of Jeremiah, and there are great verses. I know of a lot of preachers, they grab a verse here and a chapter here, a verse here and a verse here, preaching a message on that. But when you put it all together and in its context, you're waiting for something good to happen, but you understand what's getting ready to happen. That Jeremiah is prophesying in the end time of a period where all of the Israelite nation is going to be dispersed. And the very temple is going to be destroyed. And it will remain so until the time of Nehemiah. This period of time. And so we find ourselves as we read through uh, 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 this. And, and all the things that are happening. We kind of get excited. Uh, especially when, when we... We read about Josiah, but yet in the 21st chapter, we find ourselves in the reign of Zedekiah. And the prophet Jeremiah is an old man here in the 21st chapter. He's an old man, and it's a different time altogether, right? And, and then, uh, with the siege and destruction of Jerusalem very, very close, a few chapters later, in the 25th chapter, we're carried back 16 years to the reign of Jehoiakim. Because that's what happens when you read the book of Jeremiah. So I, I told you this morning I was going to give you the key to reading Jeremiah. That you have to read it uh, that realizing it's not written chronologically. But you also have to understand the times that the prophecy was given forth. Do you realize that what we, we were talking about, the greatest revival that the Israelites ever had under the young king Josiah, that in order to know what really happened, you, Jeremiah doesn't even write about it. Hello. In order to find out uh, really what has happened, you have to read the book of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Because it's written both places. Second uh, Kings chapter 22 and 23 tell the story of, of Josiah and what's taking place. Also in Second Chronicles chapter 34 and 35, they tell the story of what's taking place. But you see, Josiah, uh, he's eight years old 
when he, when he becomes king, at the, the age of 20, uh, he begins a, a program to reform Jerusalem. When he turns 26 in the 18th year of his reign, he sends workers to repair the temple. That's chapter 34 of 2 Chronicles. And verse 8, he sends workers to repair the temple. And then finally, during the temple cleanup, the workers find the scroll of the law. And they bring it to Josiah. And he reads it. His heart is smitten. And he starts a reform that brings a national revival. And so that's why we say that, you know, we talked about the stork. How that it makes its nest, not up in the trees in the lofty heights, but down where it's accessible. What brought revival to them was the word of God being accessible through the church, through the temple, through the house of God. That's what brought revival. And that's why I'm saying if we ever are going to see the move of God like we need to see the move of God, we must do all that we can to make the word of God accessible. Where people can have the word that changes their heart, changes their life. The only way that, 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 that we're going to have any kind of reform in our world and in our country is when we get back to the Bible. We get back to the word of God. Most scholars believe that what they found that day was the book of Deuteronomy. The second giving of the law of God. And it brought revival. Let me tell you. God wants to work in this day and hour. We must do exactly what, uh, what was preached to us uh, this day. We need to be strong and proclaim, not just try to reach a culture with cultural things, but try to reach our world with the Word of God, the law of God. See, this is the problem. This is the difficulty that we find and that what God tells this people you know, the verse it says, Even the stork in the sky knows her seasons. The turtle dove, swallow, and crane are all aware of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. My people do not know the statutes of the Lord, the Word of God. Amen. That, that comes forth. Oh, praise God. And so accessibility. Accessibility. How important that is. Uh, and then secondly, we need to be spirit-led. We need direction. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today because as we go down a few slides here, uh, we cover accessibility, and I want to just cover that very quickly. Maybe we go back one there. When the church becomes accessible, they discover how to mobilize servant-hearted leaders, how to help get people on a fast track to spiritual growth, Individually and corporately. And how to foster accountability as well as accessibility. And how to see church as a vital living encounter with God. That's what church is. Amen. And so accessibility. The stork is wise. You know, it, it's so, so much that you can say. The Romans called, uh, the name of the Romans that they called the stork is um, Aviapia. Avia Pia. Avia means like aviation or avian. Have you heard of avian flu, the bird flu? Avian or uh, an aviary where the birds are kept. But the, that's what it means. And then Pia or pious. 
the pious bird. That's what they called the stork. Because they cared. Oh boy, they cared for their young. They, 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 they made it easy for their young uh, to survive. They protected. And you know, you read the stories. I've read stories about uh, that the, the, uh, the stork would rather die uh, then allow those babies to be hurt. Okay, you, you, you know that God is saying uh, a lot of things. And by the way, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, this is very unique, I know, and just blame it on me. Blame it on me. But I, I, just, I just look at these things this way. You know, Jesus taught about, uh, he used, you know, in the scripture it says, go to the ant, thou slugger, and learn her ways. You know, Jesus uh, talked about, you know, uh, the birds have nests, the foxes have dens, but the Son of Man, you know, he talked about natural things. He said, uh, he said, look at the lily of the valley, how beautiful it is. But I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. And so he brings forth principled teaching, and God is doing this. God is bringing forth this word. He says the stork knows how to, to, to what's necessary. And so do the, do the, the, the turtle dove. That's what the, the, the dove, this bird, the second bird that is mentioned here, this turtle dove. And I, I find it because what we need uh, in this last day, just as much as we need accessibility, we need the direction of the Holy Spirit. And why I'm so excited about that is because every part of the service, even the testimonies, Talked about being spirit, worshiping in spirit, being led of the spirit. The songs that, that, that were sung at the very beginning, our worship, talked about the spirit of God moving, the testimonies. Everything in this service was really based around the, the, the we have a God that loves us, who empowers us by his spirit and will lead us and guide us. We must have his direction in the last day. And that's, isn't it interesting to know? That these birds, like the, this, this turtle dove, by the way, there's nothing that the turtle has to do with a uh, turtle dove have to do with a turtle. Hello. You go down to slide 11 there. The turtle dove and their migration. The secrets of their amazing navigational skills aren't fully understood. Partly because the birds combine several different types of senses when they navigate. Birds can get... Compass information from the sun, the stars, sensing the earth's magnetic field. Well, they also get information from the position of the setting sun and from the landmarks that they see during the day. There's even evidence that sense of smell plays a role, at least for homing pigeons. Some species, particularly waterfowl and cranes, follow preferred pathways on their annual migrations. And these pathways are often related to important stopover locations that provide food, supplies, critical to the bird's survival. I thought about going to church. <laughs> hey, during your week, you just need to stop over in the house of God. Get what you need from God because you can't make it without His strength. You can't make it. You just need something that compels you within. Stop by the church. Stop by the church. In your migration uh, or your navigation through your week, you need God. 
You need the food, the bread of heaven. You need the Lord. Why is it that, that so many uh, talk about, you know, it's so str- I, I struggle so much in living in the victory. Well, let me tell you something. Hey, man, you need to get to the spout where the glory comes out. You need to get into the place where you can receive of the Spirit of God, and God will allow you. He will give you the opportunity. He will give you the direction. That is what the times require. Amen. This direction. Isn't it interesting that the, I started to say the turtle, uh, turtle dove, uh, they make a trill like a turtle, turtle, turtle. They gave themselves their name. Did you know? Turtle, turtle, the turtle dove. That's right. And, and, And so you study these things and you understand that they really have a journey to make when Ever, whenever they migrate, migrate, migrate is, is very important. Let me go to a section of Jeremiah to illustrate this truth and how important it is. Jeremiah chapter 42. We're almost to the end here of the journey, but Jeremiah chapter 42. Now, here's what happens you read in, in like uh, Josiah, the king. Why is it that Jeremiah doesn't talk about this great revival? Well, because he receives word that he should not go up against King Necho, uh, who is coming through. What do I have to do with you, king? But he failed to take the warning and advice. And young Josiah, probably around the age of 36, fights this king that really didn't have a beef with him. And he doesn't take the advice, and he's slain in battle. And when he is slain in battle, Josiah was the last great king. Ones that followed him, including you read in chapter 36, Jehudi. They bring the prophet's scroll and the word to him. You know what he does? The scripture says that he takes a penknife and he slices, he cuts the scrolls, the pages, and cast them into the fire. Amen. Let me just read that to you. Do I have time to read, read that? Let me see this verse of Scripture. Uh, verse 23 of chapter 36, And it came to pass, and it happened when Jehudi had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. That is what happens. And that is the reason uh, that, that destruction comes when you reject the word of God. And so Jeremiah knows this. In fact, in all reality... Jeremiah was probably written, the book was written because God told him, he said, write it again. Write it again. And after uh, the carrying away of the captivity into Babylon, actually Jeremiah is more than likely taken to Egypt. And that is where he and Baruch, they write. So he's thinking about all that has transpired. What brought them from this place to where they are in captivity. And that's why when we read the book of Jeremiah, we understand that he's, 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 he's reflecting on events and times and what caused these things to happen. And I tell you, when we forget God, 
The scripture says that every nation will be turned into hell that forget God. When we reject the word of God and remove it from our culture or in our society, we are on our way to destruction. The only reason America is great is because of the word of God. Because we are a Judeo-Christian nation. One that is based on laws. Where do the laws come from? Well, you have to go to the Supreme Court or to Congress. Yeah, you can still find it chiseled on the wall. The Ten Commandments. Hello, we, we reject God's word. We penknife it out and throw it into the fire and we're on our way to destruction. You say, could it happen in wonderful America? Let me tell you how close. That we would go in about eight years from a period of time where everyone understood that we were a Christian nation based and founded on Judeo-Christian ethic to a time when our own leader would say, America is no longer a Christian nation. Hello? I'm not getting political. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand about the Word of God. If we will follow the Word of God, remember... <laughs> I have a friend, uh, we, we all know him, his name is Ben Baker. He's one of these young, young men, good, good, good men uh, that, that have been preachers of the gospel and he got elected to the state legislature in Missouri, in, out of Neosho, he lives in Neosho, Missouri. My wife's uh, first cousin, Candy, she was elected to the legislature here out of Butler, Warren, Butler Warren area county and she has just now introduced for the second time the heartbeat bill against abortion when you can hear the sound of the heartbeat hello <laughs> old Todd Smith my good old preaching brother hello pastors at Farmersville elected to the house of representatives what am I saying and brother Ben he has introduced a bill saying that we should not disallow the historical teaching or the teaching of God's Bible out of the public schools. And his bill is to allow the teaching of God in the public schools in Missouri. Woo! Things are happening. If we are to see revival, we've got to get back to God's word. Because there, that's where you'll find direction. And if we do not follow God's direction will end up, there won't be the revival. There won't be the revival if we don't find, even God says this, even the, you know, the, 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 uh, the crane, uh, the stork, the stork knows the time of her seasons, but the turtle dove, swallow, and crane, they're aware of their migration. They're aware of their times. They're aware there's something within them that causes them to move and there's something in them, just something deep within their breast that causes them to follow the path and be directed. Let me tell you, my friends, more than ever before, we need to be led by the Spirit and we need to be directed by the Spirit. Now, I said chapter 42 was the key verse to what we're teaching on. And you can go through, I want it maybe at this next slide there it says, uh, uh, there, uh, the Billy Graham one. The Holy Spirit 
uh, gives liberty to the Christian, direction to the worker, discernment to the teacher, power to the Word of God, and fruit to faithful service. He reveals the things of Christ. Amen. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit does. Amen. Chapter 42, let me just read here. There at a time now, there's only a handful uh, of the remnant left. And they say, now all the captains of the forces, Johanan, the son of Kareah, Jazaniah, the son of Hoshaiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant since we are left but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Amen. That should be our prayer. Oh, may God show us which way we should walk and the things that we should do. And Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard indeed, and I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back for you. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing. Did you catch that? Whether it's pleasing or displeasing, whether it's something we want to hear or maybe something we don't want to hear. And we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we, we send you that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Amen. I just want to share the, uh, Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry goes way, way, way back, but I love the old, I love the old commentaries. It says, Jeremiah is sought out. The captains ask for his assistance. In every difficult, doubtful case, we must look to God for direction. And we may still, in faith, pray to be guided by a spirit of wisdom in our hearts and the leadings of providence. We do not truly desire to know the mind of God if we do not fully resolve to comply with it when we know it. Whew. So, I want to go down and talk about the guidance uh, of the Holy Spirit. The guidance of the Spirit. And this next slide that says that when we seek the guidance of God in our daily lives by considering His Word, becoming sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, first, we can be warned by the Spirit to avoid pitfalls. Second, the Spirit can strengthen us against evil. Amen. I pray that prayer with a lot of people when I pray the Lord's Prayer with them. I, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what Jesus said to pray. Did you know you could pray that? Jesus said, when you pray, disciples, here's how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those that trespass against us. And oh God. Amen. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Oh that we would follow 
the Spirit's leading because He can strengthen us against evil. And third, He can also give us the power to discern what's true and what's not. And so we read chapter 42, that, that verse of Scripture. And so I want to go to the little, uh, uh, you know, the bird uh, sister, the bird uh, slide. To, to, to Very quickly, and I'm closing, but being intentional in my life direction. We must be intentional. We are not those that are floating like a feather. Just, boy, you'd be in a hard case if you were in this wind tonight. Brother Johnny was telling me, I think it was his son, uh, one of his sons, uh, the wind picked up his uh, trampoline, and it wasn't in the backyard anymore. No, it was down the street in somebody else's yard. When winds of trouble come, when the winds of change occur, how important it is for you and I to be led by the Spirit. Very quickly, some of the ways the Spirit leads, and I've got three or four things and I'm done. But number one, the Holy Spirit leads us through our prayer life. We seek God and fast and pray and seek God. We'll find God. We'll find Him working. And, and, and as, as, as we uh, pray and seek the Lord, uh, He changes our heart. He prepares our heart to hear the voice of God. If you want to hear the voice of the Spirit, begin to pray and seek the Lord. Our prayers can solicit the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? All right. The next one, very quickly. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Amen? The Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit speaks to us as we pray. And we read our word. And it, but He, when the Spirit of Truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear. That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Did you know if you pray and you listen to the voice of the Spirit, he will even show you the things that are to come? I didn't say it. Amen? John 16, 13, Jesus said it. All right, very quickly, we go to... Uh, the Holy Spirit leads us through the teaching and preaching of spiritual leadership. Amen? Aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. Talk about Peter, uh, how that he led a group of Gentiles, but first preached to them the gospel through the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit began to deal with their hearts, while he yet spake these words, the Holy, Holy Ghost fell on them. Amen. What a powerful word is when the Holy Ghost falls upon you when you hear the word. When the Spirit quickens that word to your heart. Amen? When the, uh, it's one thing for the word to go forth, but when, when it quickens, when the Spirit quickens the word to your heart, how powerful is that? Then the Holy Spirit can lead us through counsel. We need to encourage each other more. The Bible says where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. You know, God will place people in your life to give you godly wisdom and direction. What am I saying? We need direction. We need direction. And lastly, we need to look for the Holy Spirit leading, using us through every circumstance, situation, and experience. Look for 
the leading of God's Spirit in your life. I, I just want to say as we hit that last, what the time requires. What the time requires. What you think is a troublesome situation for you may be a door, a window of opportunity to place you in some locale where otherwise you would have not been. God may put you at an appointed place and at an appointed time to bring forth the word of life and give hope to the lost. When we find our direction from the Spirit, get ready. He's going to do it. He's going to open doors. He's going to give opportunities. Oh, my heart is so full tonight. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to bring forth one of the things what we need in this time. We need the direction of God. Amen. Something within. What Jeremiah said to the people was really a rebuke. He says, these birds, they know how to make life accessible. They know when it's time for migration. They know there's something within that leads them to place of blessing. And that's what we need.